Welcome back to the From the Garofis podcast. You are watching or listening to Micah Foster, the host of From the Garofis. Today I have a special guest. His name is Paul Swearingen. He is a former pastor of a local church in my area. He was also the husband to uh, a mayor at the time, a mayor, the mayor of Fresno. Sorry if I could say that right, the mayor of Fresno. And uh, just really has an interesting story. He's utilizing digital means to reach a different audience than anybody else I know on TikTok, YouTube, and Zoom, and you name it. And he's there, and he's doing something powerful. And so I wanted to talk to him uh, and have a dialogue about that. So here's Paul. Well, thanks, Paul, for being willing to be uh, on our podcast today. Again, I talk mostly about faith in in the digital space. And... Uh, really talk to different people who are utilizing digital to build community, to grow, to seek, to learn. And you've been doing that for a while now. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what it is you're doing and and maybe a couple of stories. What's the impact that it's having on people's lives? Well, I, I, I work as a life coach, kind of what I do for my daily bread and, and uh-huh. income in the household. But I also love being a content creator. So when I stepped out of being senior pastor of a church that I had led for 10 years, uh, I just began sharing content online. And as I did that, I started finding there was this, this space out there of, of a growing number of people who are leaving their church community behind for a number of reasons, and, and, but don't wanna leave their faith behind. Mm-hmm. And, and so, we all kind of started finding each other through TikTok, if you can believe it, of all things. I, I thought TikTok I was just 15 year old girls dancing, uh, you know, on the, sh- uh, but um, I started talking about kind of my beliefs and what my process has been as I stepped out of leadership of an evangelical church and, and found this group of people that were saying, you know, a lot because of politics, I don't feel like I can, can be at my church anymore. But I, but I don't want to leave my faith behind and going through this process. Deconstruction has really become the word around it. So I, I was just doing content for these people. And I had this thought of like once a month, I'm just going to offer communion to people online. And just Sunday morning, uh, you know, we'll offer communion and we'll do it once a month. And so we, we did that right after that COVID hit. And then mm-hmm. a whole bunch more people weren't able to go to their church, as, as yep. we well know. And all of a sudden, people started reaching out to me and saying, wow, we really love doing that communion. Could we do that every Sunday? And and I was like, you know, I have zero desire to start another church. So, but during COVID, sure, we'll get together and we'll just have some discussion. We'll share life together and then we'll take communion. And that was in April of last year and we haven't missed a Sunday since. So that, we, wow. we just call it the Sunday community and and people uh-huh. just keep showing up and hanging out together online. So these people, many of them found you through TikTok. Not everybody, but many of them found you through TikTok. And they started joining you online. They found value in it. They found community. They found a, a belonging. What are the things that you think draw them in or drive them to this specific community? I, I think a, a lot of it, we don't look like a church. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's a big part of it. And, and you know, I think you can be just as religious being non-formulaic as you can be religious being formulaic. And so we, we just try to be careful about, you know, we're right because we make it look different. Um, but our goal is rather than bringing a sermon and and singing some worship songs and doing what we do in church, ours is 
we want to share life and and we want to chew on concepts together and and so everything is a discussion rather than a teaching and i i usually throw out a concept and i spend about five to eight minutes kind of saying hey the bible says this i kind of think this what do you guys think and then people just start throwing out ideas sometimes we'll go into breakout rooms we do use zoom for it and and we're very fortunate that people know how to use zoom now and and so we'll break you know and so the whole goal is drawing people out what's inside of them and sharing it with one another and and we actually see scripture to kind of back that up but then we do come around to then the holy moment of sharing communion together and and still acknowledging hey there's there's a divine out there that we get to interact with together in community and there's something powerful about doing it together in community so i think it's it's kind of that combination of informality for particularly for our younger people in our group but then still having this holy moment that that a lot of people seem to think and and i'll tell you one more thing on it and not to keep talking too long but a lot of millennials who have left sort of traditional evangelical churches are finding Uh their way to sort of the high church and the more Mm -hmm. uh you know formal churches because there's something about that that sort of high holy feel that they like and we're finding that doing communion together is something that sort of binds us together in this divine moment that that has really become an attraction to our younger people that i find very fascinating yeah so you're seeing a trend of people being drawn to that more traditional feel in a way and that yeah that's really interesting because for so long things have swung the other way i would say it's, you yeah, know, I, that's kind of what happens right it swings back and forth people swing i've been forth. a critic of the high orthodox church as much as anybody for years and i'm like let's tear that thing down and 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 now i see the value and and one other thing we're doing in that micah then on wednesday mornings i do what i call a spiritual mindfulness moment which is really a time of of contemplative prayer if you will in our in our christian terms of of Mm -hmm. mindfulness which is really becoming quite a thing in the world and and so we just have some time again where i just share a little bit of scripture and and we say how do we connect together and connect to the divine in sort of a contemplative moment and and people are really drawn to this stuff and and can do it online in a relational sort of way that that i think is really an amazing thing in the 21st century yeah, uh, that's so interesting. It used to be that we were, our community were our physical neighbors. And more and more, I think people are drawn away from the physical neighbor and more towards where are my people, my like-minded people? Where can I find them? Yeah. And and I think there's value in both. But yeah, it's really interesting to see this. But you're not just live on Sunday. You're not just live on Wednesday morning, as you say. You're live all the time, I feel like. I feel like I'm always seeing, <laughs> oh, Paul's live. What's he doing now? Right. So, so you, you go live all the time on different, different platforms. I feel like, is that true? Yeah. And I do, I do most of my stuff on TikTok and YouTube. It was really funny about a a couple of years ago, I had a a social media person tell me, you know, Hey, Facebook is 65 years old right now. And Instagram is 35 years old and TikTok is 16. And he, and he said in no time, Facebook is going to be 85. Instagram is going to be 65 and TikTok's going to be 35. And, and that's kind of where we are. It's, It's kind of funny. And so my audience again is really being found on TikTok. But yeah, I, 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 you know, sometimes I wonder if I overprogram with people and they just get sick of seeing my face. But this is where people are finding community, Micah. And mm-hmm. and so 
when I go on, when there's a topic, you know, Afghanistan has been a big topic. And, and I try to take current events and say, what does this look like with a with the Bible as a backdrop? Where what if if Jesus were on earth today in the flesh, what would what would he think about this? And we try to chew those concepts together or or the Texas abortion law here the last couple of days. Yeah. And and so whenever I fire up and a lot of times I'll do TikTok and YouTube live concurrently. Um, and it just, people pop in and they, they just, there's something right now that we feel like being able to chew these topics together again, gives us that community. We're such pack animals that we're just looking for a space where, where somebody can affirm or, or, or even challenge who we are in a really safe space. And and kind of, that's my goal. That's great. That's great. That's beautiful. So you, you mentioned a lot of tools that you're using, but you're utilizing TikTok. That's where your primary audience is being found. They may, they may join you in another uh, thing, but that's where they hang out, right? So tell yeah. me about that. How, how's your journey of like utilizing TikTok? What, what's that been like for you? <laughs> surreal, absolutely surreal. You know, I was on Facebook, and that was my primary social media, and 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 sometimes my message is a little counter to to the evangelical church I was raised in and the evangelical church that I led, even. And as I begin sharing some of the things of my heart, it was difficult for people who who knew me and were close. Uh-huh. And and sometimes it even got a little ugly on Facebook. And I and so really for a couple of years, Facebook was my social media platform. And I I just felt like it was actually the day before the 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 2020 election. I was mm-hmm. out on a walk with my wife, and and I said, you know, I think I'm done with Facebook, and I think I'm going to go to a more easily tillable soil, if you will. And and I told my wife, I'm going to try TikTok. And I had just opened a TikTok account and I had six followers. And uh, and so I posted a video. It was it was uh, literally a video of why I didn't feel like as a Christian, I could vote for Donald Trump. And so I made that video and posted it. And the next morning I woke up and I said, honey, something's wrong with my TikTok account. It it says that I have 2000 followers and then an hour later, it says I have three thousand followers, and the, and the next thing I knew, I was, you know, I I was at ten thousand followers, and then I just I just started posting the concepts of the things that are in my heart, and it just kept taking off, taking off, and and so today, you know, I'm small still in comparison, but it's mind-boggling to me to think I have seventy-five thousand followers on TikTok who right. who watch my stuff. It's just crazy. Yeah, I'm one of those followers. I watch your stuff. I, I oh, watch everything, that. right? I, I follow several different people, but uh, but I enjoy watching some of your stuff and seeing your perspective on things because I think that's that's been something that the church in large has been hijacked by certain thought processes or certain certain lanes of of thoughts and and it's been hard for anyone to have a counter you know a different opinion and not be you know labeled a heretic and spat upon and you know thrown things and tried to stone and all that kind of stuff. So I know you've had your fair share of that stuff as well. And so how do you deal with the ne- the negativity that comes at you from posting what's in your heart? Some days better than others. Um, I get called a heretic and a false teacher on a fairly regular basis. But, you know, my goal always is I, I want to say, what what does the Bible really say? And, 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 and you know, 
so often I bring up a concept and I can tell that people are just Googling verses that they've heard somewhere along the way. And then they're like, yeah, but what about, you know, this verse? Uh -huh. And, and I want to take people to like, okay, let's go to the context of what that verse is saying. Let's read the verses around it. Let's study the historical context of that. And the basic purpose of that is, is I believe Romans 12, two and three says, don't be conformed to this age. Some of us translate that as don't be conformed to that world out there. But I really believe that verse is saying, don't get, don't be conformed to this age. Don't get stuck in your echo chamber. It's, mm. but the verse says, don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know the good and perfect will of God. And, and I really believe the concept of that verse is we should be challenging our beliefs always, you know, that, that, Renewing of the mind is for, is is built in a way in that verse that it means a never-ending renewing of your mind. Yeah. That we should, and we get scared that we're going to be you know deceived and by some false teacher, and so we shut ourselves down to learning and and discovering. But there's a proverb that says, "It's it's the joy of God to hide a matter, and the honor of kings to search it out." I think we're supposed to be always searching for hidden truths and and where are you today? And and Jesus said to the Pharisees, you can look at the sky and know the weather, but you don't know the signs of the times. He was not impressed with their learning and theology if it wasn't able to be led by the spirit to what's mm. happening at the moment. Mm. And, and if we get stuck in like, well, we've always believed this way, so it has to be this way. I don't think we really believe what we believe. Uh, and mm. and those beliefs and what we see happening in this sort of deconstruction territory out there is, right. I, I say it's like a sweater with a string and, mm. and you pull a string and you go, what, what? The, the, there are other Noah's Ark stories in other religions and they start pulling the thread and, and the belief system just starts unwinding. So I think it's really important that we are on an ongoing basis challenging those things and I feel like that's a call, if you will, uh, to put it in Christian terms or a purpose mm -hmm. of my life. And so, yeah, the people coming and saying false teacher, it, it's a part of it. And some days it really hurts and is discouraging, particularly when it's from people I know. And some days I combat it very strongly because I'm, I'm really big on I'm going to protect my audience out there who have been hurt by the church, who have been hurt by dogma. And I see that Jesus was very confrontive to that religious oppression as well. So at times I get pretty aggressive with coming against it. Uh, and then, but the real key ultimately, Mike, is have a wife that's with me on what I'm doing and have good people around me who every once in a while I could say, oh, my heart's hurt by, you know, being called a false teacher or whatever else today. And, and let those people start to encourage me of like, yeah, but you're doing what you're supposed to do and keep going. And then the ultimate in encouragement is when, you know, I, I, I actually get this on quite a frequent basis and it, it makes me a little bit emotional. I have atheist followers on a regular basis who say, I'm reading the Bible because of you. Hmm. I, I'll come to your Sunday online church service or I'm coming to your mindfulness moment or I'm listening to your Bible talk on a Saturday morning. And I'm not sure I even believe there's a God but you make me intrigued about it. Um, and when I see that, and I think of how Jesus sat with the outcast of culture, it just makes it worth it. So I guess a really long answer to your question of, I just have to know this is what I'm, I'm supposed to be doing and, and there's gonna be some messiness in the middle of it. Wow, wow, wow. I'm sure there are, there are some people who are feeling that, uh, who might find themselves listening or watching and 
and feeling some of those same things that you're describing as well. I, I want to go back to your, your mention of the verse um, in Romans. And I love, I love how you're talking about, you know, that we can't get stuck in one frame of mind. You know, if we got stuck in one way of thinking for the history of the church globally, we'd be stuck in some crazy stuff right now. <laughs> Just yeah. thinking about it, and and in maybe maybe in a thousand years, if if there is in a thousand years from now, as far as we see it, uh, maybe they'll say the same thing about us. But what I love about that verse that that we attribute to Paul is that it's it's so interesting because what we know about neuroplasticity and the way that brains work and the way that we create these thought superhighways that kind of automatically jump to certain conclusions what he's saying there is actually there's a way that those can be changed there's a way that god god designed your brain to be moldable and you Mm. don't have to be stuck in the same thought process activity process you know um trigger and response process constantly and and there is a way that you're you know you can be renewed by the transforming by the literal reconfiguring of all the trail of thoughts and all that stuff. I love that. I love that verse. So that's that's pretty awesome. Another thing that came yeah. by while you were talking is I remember being in, in college and being in a philosophy class and my professor, you know, he loved he loved uh, Aristotle and, and, and these guys and, and you know, as as you as you study those in, in those philosophy classes and then wonder what do I do with all this. Um, it's very interesting. He brought up a really great point because he said, I know all of you come with your own you know, construct of what life is. All of you have your own lens you're looking through. I'm asking you to try to look through some different lenses, try to see things from a different perspective. He said, what you're going to find is in this class, we're going to poke some holes in your lifeboat and Mm. you're going to see some holes (laughs) and you're going to say, oh no, what do I do? My boat ain't going to float. You know, what do you do? And he said, let me encourage you. No matter how tightly sealed you think your boat is, there's a hole somewhere, and it's going to be okay. You know, yeah. and I think there's a lot of people that need to hear that right now. People who are feeling like, like you described, they're coming out of uh, a certain way of thinking in the church or out of the church, and, and they're finding that there's some holes in their boat, there's some holes in their sail, things don't sail like they used to, they're questioning things, and I think it's good to question. I think it's good to pursue what is, what's really true here and get behind to the bottom of it. So I really enjoy that, that there are people like you who are willing to walk with people in that process. Even as you yourself go through some of that process, we're all in some way in that process all the time. And though we, we may communicate things and say things as if we know exactly all the things, we never know exactly all the things we, we, we try to know as much as we can, and we're constantly learning and forming. But yeah. having a safe place where you, can, where you can do that with people, that's not common, I would say. Yeah. And I think, there's a, I think there's a real danger if we're not honest to that in the church. And, and we see it. I, I mean, we, we know the, the millennial generation and the Gen Z generation are, 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 not, are leaving the church. I don't mean to say not coming back, but mm-hmm. statistically, they're, they're the lowest churched generations in American history. And I think a lot of it is that we're teaching them this, this easy, definitive theology, and then they're going off to college, or, or they just Google something, and they find out 
oh wait, that that's not so easy as I've been told. And and even for me, and it was funny because it was my my seminary pastoral Bible training that that really started to unravel some things for me in that I had grown up in a in a a rapture, a pre-trib rapture tradition that Jesus was coming any moment and, and we would go and others would be left behind. And when I began to learn, or, or I did learn for the first time that there were other Christians that loved Jesus as much as I do, that didn't believe that. And then as I started to be taught in our class that the rapture was actually a new theology, not a long-term theology of the church, and actually was believed by a very small subset of Christianity, it felt to me like I had been lied to. Mm. And, and, and when I'm like, okay, if I was lied to about that, what else was I lied to about? And then yeah. as I begin yeah. to learn, hey, this book I have that's called the Bible didn't just float down from heaven in this form. It was human beings that in very messy ways put it all together. And hey, Jesus had a Bible that had some books that we don't consider to be scripture. You know, then you just start going, well, maybe it's all wrong. And there is a, a reaction at times from people that are like, I'm just going to throw it all out then. Mm -hmm. So I think I think it behooves us, particularly in the digital generation, when it, when information is so available, and there are so many blogs and so many podcasts and all those things out there, that we be very honest about our belief system and say to things like I was just doing a video today about Luke one in in terms of the abortion argument, and people will say Luke one is proof that life begins at conception because. John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb. And, and I'm saying you can absolutely use that verse to make the argument, but it's not definitive. Let's be honest, because the Bible puts human characteristics on trees clapping their hands and hills singing. And, and, and so we just have to be honest, hold our belief systems a little bit loosely, live in tension. And then I think we can start to figure out this way around of, of well, Jesus lived like this, so why don't we just try to live like that and see what happens? And then we'll navigate these other difficulty difficulties around. But but when we say, no, my belief system is right and it has to be right and I have to defend at all costs, it's very difficult for us to interact with the world around us and others. And we come we become pretty unpleasant. So I think there's a way that I was taught by evangelicalism growing up that we can do better, that actually portrays a gospel that that loves God and loves our neighbor as ourself, that is attractive and draws people to the kingdom of heaven rather than causes them to go running, screaming in the other direction. I remember having some uh, similar thoughts in some of my theology classes. Well, yeah, seminary will screw up your theology. As, as, I, uh, as I remember, you know, learning about different sources that the gospel's probably drew from q you know different there's some different things yeah. q not the q anon thing q has the, the the biblical source <laughs> that there's a lot of synoptic gospel stuff that there's a belief that there's another there's another writing out there that these guys were pulling upon as well and and learning about these things and the professors communicating like i felt like they were saying if you don't know the original language good luck yeah and i was like I know a lot of Christians don't know the original language, you know, like, yeah. the, what do you mean? You know, it's, that's how it felt when they were teaching. And what they were saying is we realize this is a complex collection of texts and it takes a lot of research and it takes a lot of 
uh, searching, cultural context, all kinds of stuff that plays into this that most people don't even think about. You know, don't even don't even think about. And and so. Uh, well, yeah. And in some ways, because we're told not to think about it or we're never <laughs> told there is a there is another option out there. And, and it's and it's like, you know, and, and I tell people, you've you got to think about the historical context the, the Bible wasn't written by Americans for Americans in American parlance. It was written mm. by first century Middle Easterners who who saw life very differently than than our linear thinking. And and so I have, you know, take, for instance, uh, you know, the poor you'll always have with you. You know, Jesus says that. And I, I hear people all the time. Well, you know, we can't do anything about the poor. Jesus said they'll always be with us. And, and I'm like, no, go find out what he really meant by that verse. What was he talking about? What did that mean to the audience that he was saying it to? What would their response have been? And, 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 and when you do that, you have to find that, okay, he's quoting a passage from Deuteronomy. And so, and when, when, when he said that, the, the good Jewish men around him would have all known that whole passage because they would have been required to know it and understand it. It would be like, it would be like me saying, if life gives you lemons, and your mind automatically fills in the rest right. of the saying. And so when Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you, they would have known he was talking about Deuteronomy. And it's not a passage that says, you're always gonna have poor with you. What it actually is saying is, if a community is living right with one another, you won't have any poor in your community. So it's a, so we take these concepts as Americans and say, here's a saying, and it must be a thing. And, and we take them way out of context and we make really bad theology out of it if we're not, yeah. like you said, doing the work. And I really love just a moment ago, just to compliment you to say the book we attribute or this this verse we attribute to Paul. And, and to me, that's exactly what I'm talking about. To be honest, to say, you know, the Apostle John may likely have not written that Gospel of John. It, it may be somebody else and they may have had a little motive in how they wrote it and just be honest to that, but still be able, like what I do is say, I read a part of John and I'm like, yeah, that's the character of G that's the character of God portrayed through Jesus. I'm going to grab onto that and hang on to that. And some of it, I have to say, Hey, there may have been a little extra motive behind this, but that doesn't invalidate it in my book. That means I'm really going to have to dig in with the spirit mm -hmm. of God and figure out what I'm supposed to glean from this. I think what's interesting, even when, uh, you know, you can kind of see that in the author sometimes. You can see, um, I think it's Paul saying, uh, who we attribute to be Paul, saying, uh, <laughs> I write this with my own hand, yeah. you know, um, or, or this, now this is, this is, I can't remember, the, I wish I could remember the verse, this is really bad of me, but um he basically I, I don't says, have the Bible completely he, memorized either. Yeah, good, yeah. good. I don't know anyone who does. Um, so he, he basically he says something to the effect of, um, uh, now I'm saying this. You know, Jesus says this. I was taught this. Now I'm going to say this part. This is me talking. And so yeah. just seeing kind of he's citing a source and then he's adding his interpretation or his little piece of it and seeing those things. Um, I think you just need to be mindful of, of, of those kinds of things and, and really think through that if we're listen, if we're reading a newspaper sometimes we can we can kind of uh see the little slant someone puts on it and go okay well this is mm -hmm. a true fact and then you said this and maybe you know and and um more than we'd like to admit there's probably more of that in there than we'd like to 
traditionally say. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of us, all of us are going to speak from our slant. That's that's human, and and but you're absolutely right. You know, we would read something from the Washington Post and understand, okay, they're going to be coming a little bit from this direction. We're going to read something in the Wall Street Journal and, and they're going to be coming from a little different direction. But if you read them all, then you can start to say, okay, I, I think I can find something that I believe to be true out of all this. And, and we ought to read the Bible the same. You know, Paul, uh, some of the, again, some of the, the books we attribute to Paul, we have to recognize, okay, this is a letter to a group of people in a particular city, in a particular culture, asking for a solution to a particular problem. And so is this telling us this is theolog theology for all of history, or is this Paul addressing a particular situation in a particular culture and a, and a setting? And, and if we're not always wrestling with that concept, we're gonna end up saying something like, women shouldn't lead in the church because we've completely misinterpreted what is happening with that scripture and how it's supposed to be applied throughout history. It's like, it's like I say, I don't know if this is where you wanted to go with the conversation, but, but you know, when we say Jesus said, marriage is between one man and one woman, I like to challenge people and say, you know who disagreed with that statement? King David disagreed with that statement. King yeah. David had multiple wives and slept with a virgin in his deathbed. And God never, never confronted him for that. So what does that mean to us as far as how God looks at us within the context of our culture? And how do we discern right and wrong than in the midst of that? And, and, and I actually think those, those wrestling matches together force us to do it in community and in relationship and are what beautiful faith community looks like. And and back to the original thing, that's what we try to do online on Sunday mornings. That's really interesting. Now, I, I, I've heard this said, this isn't my saying, I've, I've heard this said, you probably heard this said, that if you take uh, the text out of context, you're left with con, right? So if you take the text out of context, you're left with con. And, and it's easily, uh, we can utilize, we can utilize the scripture, the Bible, the 66 books, we can utilize that to oppress people if we want to. Mm -hmm. We can find things in there that tell us or enable or or help us make cases against people that probably not in there or it was in there culturally or there, you know, there's all kinds of messiness in there. And 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 that's why I like to tell people, if you're going to crack open the Bible, I would I would prefer you start with the Gospels and the words of Jesus than with Genesis, because I feel like you're going to make it like. Through Genesis, it's going to be interesting. You know, you're going to be like, huh, this is interesting. But once you get to that Levitical law and all that stuff, you're going to be like, I'm out. This is this is crazy. I'm not doing this. Yeah. So No question. <laughs> so if we put the same weight of all Scripture, all what we say is Scripture, if we put the same weight and value across our whole life with it, then we're, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. I, ate, I eat bacon all the time. And I like it, yeah. you know, we're, we're in big trouble. So, yeah, we yeah we, and we start to we start to find ourselves in discussion with the world out there where, you know, from an evangelical perspective, we're railing about abortion and somebody from from outside the church is going to say, well, yeah, I read your Bible and your God commands babies heads to be bashed against the rocks. And, and we have to be ready to understand the context, as you said, of those passages to be able to say, 
okay, let's wrestle with what this meant together. Do I worship a God that loves genocide and babies' heads to be dashed against the rocks? And I'm, I'm sorry if that's triggering language for anybody. Or, or is there another way to look at the Old Testament? And ultimately, I say to evangelicals that you're not very hypocritically cherry-picking Old Testament law to impose onto others while forgiving the ones that we want to forgive of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so context, your abstract context is everything. And again, in the digital age, everybody has access to information out there. So it's very easy for them to figure out we're full of it when we say the Bible clearly says things that the Bible doesn't clearly say. Here's what I think is helpful. If, if when you're anybody, when someone is teaching the Bible, okay, to a group of people, it's helpful to have a basic understanding of the various ways to read that and to and to share those and then to say this is where i land and here's why i I think that's a helpful responsible way to talk through scripture it's hard (laughs) but it is helpful and i think responsible so even as you're talking about you know pre-trib and there's you know uh, amillennialism and post and pre and all, all this kind of stuff um, you know, I, I, oftentimes I don't even know where I land on that, but I always go back to the point where I'm like, for me, none of that is going to impact really how I live my daily life and interact with people and love people. And that's the bottom line is loving God, loving people. And we say it all the time in the context of the ministry that I'm involved in, in the church I lead, uh, that, that our, our love for God is authenticated by our love for people. Mm-hmm. And and that's what Jesus said people would know us by is our love, um, would know we were followers of his. So anyway, just, yeah, yeah. man, good good stuff. Well, tell me about wh- where do you, you probably don't, but where do you see yourself going with all of this in terms of the ministry that I, I'm calling it a ministry, I'm labeling it a ministry, the ministry you're doing online? Um, that is such a great question. And I wish I could give you an elevator pitch answer. Um, but here, here's one thing. I, I was sitting with a, a pastor friend of mine the other day, and, and he said, okay, you know, there's this deconstruction going out there. And I don't, I don't know if everybody's aware, like deconstruction is a, yeah. is a big yeah. hashtag out there in the world right now uh-huh. that people are deconstructing their faith. And, and he was telling me, you know, like, hey, you know, we go through this about every 20 years or so. We had the Jesus People Movement and we we had the Emergent Church Movement. And and, you know, so and he and he was talking about it like, OK, you, this is the next fad and we're going to end up back in the same place we were before anyway. So and, and so his his caution to me was be careful what you're tearing down without knowing what you're building on the other side. And I thought about that and and I I I, I said in maybe somewhat, I, I call myself brilliant sometimes. Um, <laughs> what if the reason we keep going through the same cycle over and over is because we keep building the same damn thing on the other side, you know? While in, in the book of Jeremiah, we see Jeremiah saying, hey, culture is going to be overturned for 70 years and then God will bring, bring us back. And, and Jesus said, he pointed, Jesus pointed to the temple and said, you know, not one stone of that thing's going to be left on another. And, and then we read in the book of Hebrews that that it's like, hey, this this system of sacrifice was n- never the forgiveness of sins that you thought it was. It was never God's purpose for forgiveness of sin. Mm. So that's my very long setup to say, 
I, I'm, I'm trying to be really careful not to define and build something right now. Um, and in fact, I'm not even sure my generation, I'm like the oldest Xer you can be. I'm the very first year of Generation X. And, and it seems like Xers and boomers, we keep trying to build something that fits our comfort when the book of Isaiah 43 says, I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up in the desert. Don't you perceive it? And, and so I'm being really careful to not build something in my image that's gonna fit me and my comfort and not benefit the next generation. So what I'm really trying to do is, is in whatever gift I have to gather people together and particularly many millennials and Gen Zers, I'm saying to them, what do you guys see happening? Where are you going? Cause I wanna go where you're going. You know, we, we saw this in the Bible, the, the Israelites on the edge of the Jordan river. And here we have the two young guys that went in there, Joshua and Caleb. Always wanted to have dogs named Joshua and Caleb for some reason, but, <laughs> and like, this is awesome. We're gonna go into this new thing. It's gonna be incredible. And, and everybody's all fired up and we see this in numbers. And then all of a sudden the old guys are like, yeah, but you know what the dangers are? And the next thing you know, this older generation is wanting to, to stone Joshua and Caleb for being so hopeful and excited for something new. Mm-hmm. And, and they end up, of course, having to walk around the desert and not go in the promised land. And there's this really interesting verse in there where God says, none of this generation is going to see my promise fulfilled except for Caleb, because he had a different spirit. He's going to get to go see the promise. And, and so I'm just trying to find Joshua and Caleb out there and say, I want to hitch my wagon to you guys and see where we're going. And, and so I, I, I can't really tell you where it's going to be in five or 10 years because I'm really trying to hold it loosely. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of work that way anyway. I'm a, I'm a throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. But I'm, I've built a church and, and it didn't turn out exactly the way I had hoped to be a, a city transforming church. And so I'm a little hesitant to put it on me to build something. I think my job is to encourage the next two generations. What do you guys see? Where do you see the wind of the spirit blowing? And let's go there. Wow, that's that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean that that's brings uh, beautiful clarity in the midst of non clarity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that may be what we have to do is is kind of live in this nether region a little bit. You know, I I often say that you know following God, following Jesus is like uh, walking in a fog, and you just know your next step. <laughs> that's it. That's all you need to know. Just your next step. So and if, and you, if we have you, to, if we if we need certainty, which is just a very human condition, we really want certainty. But if we yeah. if we settle for certainty, we will settle for a lesser God. We we will settle for something less than what God will show us if we're willing again, you know, to use the analogy, to step into the Jordan River without knowing exactly what's going to happen. To risk walking forward with like, I don't know how we're going to get across this thing. I, I don't know what's on the other side. What are we going to do if the food stops falling out of the sky? You know, well, if we get afraid of those things, then we limit ourselves from seeing the fullness of what could be. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast with me. I've enjoyed this conversation. I hope it's encouraging to somebody else out there who may be questioning, trying to figure things out, studying, pursuing. If if somebody's like, man, I really resonate with that guy. Where can people find you? Well, uh, I'm on I'm uh, Pastor Paul underscore TikTok on TikTok and Pastor Paul TikTok on YouTube. 
And my website is pastor-paul.com. Don't go pastorpaul.com, pastor-paul.com. And uh, those, you know, they'll find me through all of those resources. Weren't you, didn't you used to be old Pastor Paul? Yeah, I was. Something I was like originally that. old Pastor Paul. Uh, I actually started my my plant. I was pastor with a plant to start, and then and then. Oh, that's old funny. Pastor Paul. But uh, yeah, the branding changes from time to time. There you go. Well, thank you so much for being on here. God bless you and everything that you do. And I hope that uh, that you continue just to follow his leading. Yeah, and I, I'm glad we got connected, Mike. I appreciate what you and your wife are are trying to do. And yeah, so it's just been a pleasure to be able to talk to you today. Thanks.